welcome to Standing in the Gap. I'm your host preacher, Brandon Harrell. Standing in the Gap is a weekly audio Bible study dedicated to the verse-by-verse exposition of the KJV Scriptures. It is my prayer that through these studies, the lost will be saved, the believer edified, and most of all, that the Lord Jesus Christ will be magnified and honored through the proclamation of His Word. For correspondence information, please stay tuned until the end of the broadcast. May the Lord bless you as you listen to this week's Standing in the Gap. All right, we're in Matthew 2. We've just finished looking at the visit of the wise men who came to worship the Lord Jesus and how they recognized uh, him as the king of the Jews. Now we come to verse 13 and following, and in this section, which concludes this chapter, we have the account of Joseph and Mary's flight to and subsequent return from Egypt in order to preserve the life of the child Jesus. Notice with me first the forewarning. And when they were departed, verse 13, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt. Be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Now, no scheme of the world or Satan will ever defeat the purposes of God in redemption. Our God is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. He knows the end from the beginning. I'm glad that he's able to warn us because he knows. He's able to preserve us because he knows what we will face. Here he warns Mary and Joseph to flee to Egypt. This plan, though carried out by an insecure and wicked king, was designed by Satan that he may keep his head from being bruised. Over and over he tried to thwart the birth of Christ, not knowing when it would occur But over and over he failed. He began this process as early as the Garden of Eden whenever he uh, worked in the heart of Cain to have him slay his brother Abel considering that Abel was the seed that would bruise his head. Down through the world's history we find this over and over again. But God is bigger than the devil, isn't he? God's able to guide his people out of harm's way. All we have to do is follow his leadership, and that's what he did with Joseph. Jesus, having come for the purpose of dying, would not die until his appropriate time had come. The fullness of time had come, and he had been sent forth into the world, but his time was not yet, as he said to Mary in John chapter 2, the time in which he would be revealed to people, and then later on the time in which he would be carried away and crucified on Calvary. Uh, neither this was not the place, nor was this the time, nor was this the way in which Jesus had come to die. All of those things were settled in eternity and written by the prophets, and they could not be changed. And so Christ would come and die, but this was not how, this was not where, and this was not when. So we see the forewarning. Then notice with me the flight, verse 14. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. It seems his departure was immediate. He did not delay his obedience, for truly uh, delayed obedience is nothing more than disobedience. 
The scripture says in James chapter 4, verse 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And too often we wait when we should be acting, and other times we act when we should be waiting. But the bottom line is when the Lord has spoken, when God has said what he wants, then we are to act upon that and do what he says to do. Now, this trip to Egypt would have been costly and dangerous. Joseph knew not how long his sojourn would be. God just tells him to go and stay until he tells him different. But he obeyed the word of God. Uh, no doubt the gifts that were provided by the wise men, the gold and the frankincense and myrrh, were of benefit on this trip. God had provided what they needed before they even knew that they needed it in giving them those gifts. Joseph, he went despite all that he knew of other patriarchs who had gone to the Gentile lands and gotten in trouble. I thought about Abraham and Isaac and how that they had gone to uh, Egypt when they were not told to and the trouble that they faced. Think of Elimelech, who went to sojourn in Moab to avoid the plague and the famine, uh, to avoid the famine, and then he died there, along with his sons who died there. And all of those things had happened because they went to Egypt or Moab or wherever out of the will of God. But Joseph knew that God had spoken, and so Joseph trusted God despite uh, what he knew. Sometimes... Uh, I've heard of men who see people who, uh, I, I, for instance, men who are called to preach. They've seen men who have answered a call to preach that they apparently didn't have, and they see them struggle, and they see that strife and trial, and so they fear to announce their own call. Just because others did things out of the will of God doesn't mean we should be hindered from doing the will of God. Egypt, being a type of the world, is presented often as a place from whence we were delivered, just as the children of Israel in the Exodus. However, we learn that God is able to preserve, in this story, we learn that God is able to preserve us in the world, as well as, as, well as he is able to deliver us from the world. Now, let me say it again. God is able to preserve us in the world, as well as he is able to deliver us from the world. The scripture tells us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We are a people preserved in Jesus Christ, kept by the power of God. And though we are in the world, we are not of the world. And we are called to shine as lights in the world. God is able to preserve us. He is able to perform that which he has begun in us. God is able to protect us. And so we see their flight into Egypt. Then notice their uh, fulfillment here in verse 15. There's actually another one later in this text, but the first one here in verse 15, it says, And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. The prophecy which is cited here is from Hosea. Uh, there, when he says it, it simply seems as if Hosea was stating a historical fact about God's bringing Israel out of Egypt. Uh, we do not find out until here that it was a prophecy. Uh, let us be careful not to take such liberties with the scriptures as to declare things to be prophetic or parabolic when the scripture does not say so uh, themselves. Um, but here we find that this was a prophecy. Upon the death of Herod, God did in fact call his son out of Egypt. 
Now, the duration of their stay is virtually impossible to determine. It just says he was there until the death of Herod. God had said, go until I tell you to leave. So we don't know how long that Joseph, Mary, and Jesus stayed down in Egypt. But what a thought is this. It didn't appear to be very long, and God will not leave us in Egypt very long either. Uh, we see Egypt as a type of the world. We mentioned how that we're in it, but we're preserved in it. But one day soon, God is going to once again call his son, or rather his children, out of Egypt, and we shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Isn't that a blessing? Uh, we're in Egypt now, but we are awaiting the call of God. The trumpet's going to sound the voice of the archangel, and we're leaving out of here. The dead in Christ shall rise, and then we that are alive and remain shall be called up together with them. He's going to call us once again out of Egypt. Isn't that a blessing? And so we see a fulfillment. Then notice the fury in verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Herod, in a rage, orders that all the children to and under be slaughtered. The word children here in the masculine form. Thus, uh, many say it refers uh, to male children, which is likely. I believe that was so there. Uh, but this he did to protect his own self-interest. He will not have his aspirations threatened. So many in our day are much like Herod. They're willing to take the lives of innocent children in order to avoid the so-called inconvenience of having to raise a child. They'd rather have a career. They'd rather have alone time. or They'd rather have whatever it is that they would rather have. Uh, than a child, so they murder the child. Abortion in this world is just as heinous as the actions of Herod in our text. God hates hands that shed innocent blood, and he will judge them that partake in that awful sin of murder, especially of the most innocent and weak among us. May God rid us of the scourge of abortion. It is noteworthy that there are two periods of time recorded in Scripture in which babies were being slaughtered in mass. The first was in Moses' time, and the second here. Both times occurred just prior to the introduction of God's chosen deliverers. The first being Moses, the babies being slaughtered, thrown into the Nile River and eaten by the gators. But Moses was spared, and Moses was raised up as a deliverer of Israel. And then Christ in his first advent, here he is being taken to Egypt to preserve him. He's going to come back once he's called back out of Egypt. He's going to live a sinless life. He's going to die a substitutionary death and rise again the third day from the grave, delivering his people from their sin. And now here we are in 2022, babies being murdered in mass. It's just a matter of time before the Lord Jesus comes back and delivers his people. Then we come to the second fulfillment of Scripture in this text. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted, because they are not. 
This prophecy of Jeremiah was written in the context of the new covenant, Jeremiah 31, and the deliverance of Israel through that covenant. Rachel is represented as rising from the grave and weeping over the plight of the nation in captivity. And then we, we see her uh, being told and comforted that they would be delivered, that they would be brought out. Now in our text, we see the fulfillment in a further light, how sad this time must have been. But hang on, the Lord Jesus is here and he would come and die in the place of sinners. In verses 19 and following, we have... Uh, Herod's death, when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead, which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod. He was afraid to go thither, notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream. He turned aside into the parts of Galilee, and he came and dwelled in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Another fulfillment here. He shall be called a Nazarene, not a Nazarite. He did not have a Nazarite vow, but he was called a Nazarene because that is where he was raised. We don't know anything else about Jesus until he turns the age of 12. But here we find his glorious preservation, even down in Egypt, and deliverance from the fury of Herod, and his subsequent call back into the land where he would minister, heal, where he would save, where he would die, where he would rise again from the dead. Glory to God for that fact. Till next time. This has been Preacher Brandon. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Standing in the Gap. It is my desire that today's episode has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to contact me, my email is bcharrell83 at protonmail.com. That's b-c-h-a-r-r-e-l-l 83 at protonmail.com. You can also reach me by phone at 828-777-4923. Tune in next time for Standing in the Gap.